Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Falato on Football on the Great Big Blue View Radio. I am your host, Nicholas Falato, and we're diving into Week Three reactions. And whew, we're starting to get a real feel for who teams actually are. We all had our presumptions based on preseason, personnel, coaching, the past, many other factors. But now, teams are starting to show themselves, and sadly for Big Blue View Nation. Our team is not putting a desirable product out there on the football field on Sunday, or Monday, in terms of week one. The product has the same issues that the previous regimes suffered. The offense can't sustain drives. The defense can't get off the field on third down. The offense can't stop turning the football over in very unique ways. The defense are missing easy tackle attempts. The team loses. The time of possession battle, the team can't force a turnover on a backup quarterback. The team is outcoached, outprepared, outwilled. The 49ers played the second consecutive 1 o'clock start game in MetLife Stadium. This time, without starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, without running backs Tevin Coleman and Raheem Moster, without a top 5 pass rusher in the league, in Nick Bosa, without Solomon Thomas and D. Ford, without Dre Greenlaw, without their two top cornerbacks in Richard Sherman and Akello Witherspoon, without Debo Samuel, with no George Kittle. Yet, it didn't matter. Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the 49ers, had his way with Joe Judge, Patrick Graham, and this New York football team. The Niners possessed the ball for just under 40 minutes. They ran 73 freaking plays, and Kyle Shanahan actually stated after the game that he was tired of calling plays because it's an exhausting action. Literally, he said that. And the quote is, quote, we went on a lot of long drives today. They're better than not scoring, but long drives can get a little bit exhausting, especially for me. I don't want to call that many plays, end quote. Wow. The Giants' defense was being stretched by the horizontal stretch game in the rushing attack. Then they were hit with misdirections, then smacked with play-action crossers that James Bradbury even struggled to defend, albeit Bradbury did have a couple really nice plays early in this game. He is far from the biggest problem on this team. He is one of the best players on this team. But it just goes to show you that even the best player is getting exposed by some of these great coaching staffs and better teams, even though they're beat up. The defense is tired, ladies and gentlemen. It's ineffective. Players like Isaac Yadam and Devontae Downs, playing as many snaps as they do, will give the offense a vulnerable target to exploit. Darnay Holmes, another one, struggled as well. Shanahan, he had a plan to attack the outside portions of Graham's defense, and it worked, especially when Graham lined up in the 3-3-5 bear, which was his predominant front in weeks one and two. And of course, I got to get to the all-22 to really check that, and I will. But he just used a lot of ends around, a lot of misdirections. 
and around here, exotic run there. The Giants had no answer. And poor mistakes like that third and 22. It's not going to help. The Giants will run so many laps in practice, they may all just change their names to Wilson, Kipsang, Kapitrick, or Steve Prefontaine. It's not good. But on to week four, where this team has to travel to Los Angeles and play a Rams team that almost beat the Bills at home. It probably should have. We'll get into that a little bit later. Some really dubious calls in that game towards the end. It's crazy to think too, man. In this game with the New York Giants, this was a 16-6 game at halftime. And it felt like the Niners were dominating, because they were. After a 13-play drive, though, to open the second half, the Giants couldn't finish with six. They only got three. Next drive, the Giants' defense couldn't stop Nick Mullins, Brandon Ayuk, and Jarek McKinnon. The final score of this game, 36-9 at home against that beat-up team. (laughs) That is a tough pill to swallow. But it is what it is. Let's move on, though, to the only fan base that may feel worse than either of the New York football team's fan bases. And that is the Atlanta Falcons, because wow, I did not know that this could happen again. And I don't even know if I could poke fun at another team because I am a Giants fan and somebody who follows the Giants intently. But holy crap, the Falcons did it again. They had a 98% chance to beat the Bears like they did last week with the Dallas Cowboys. And they found a way to lose 30-26 to after the Bears replaced Mitch Trubisky with Super Bowl champion Nick Foles, who comes in in the second half after Mitch Trubisky throws an interception on the opening drive for the offense of the Bears. Nick Foles comes in, leads a seven-play drive down the field, and almost throws a touchdown pass to Allen Robinson, but it's a great defensive play and ends up being an interception. The Bears get the ball again. They punt the ball. Falcons have a seven-play drive, missed field goal. Bears get the ball again. Nine-play drive, turnover on downs. You would think it's over at this point. At this point, Atlanta's up by 10. They're getting the ball. The third quarter has wound down. And yes, there's been a little bit of momentum for the Bears. But Atlanta can't do anything. They get a yard on their ensuing possession, punt the ball. Nick Foles leads a three-play 55-yard touchdown. Then a five-play 44-yard touchdown. And then Matt Ryan throws an interception to end the game. When the score of this game was 23-10. And the Atlanta Falcons had all the control. They found a way to blow it. And that's insane. I feel bad for Dan Quinn. I do. Dan Quinn is a Jersey guy. He's from Morristown, New Jersey. I live in Morristown, New Jersey. So I always have an affinity for him as a head football coach, just based off geography. But I gotta say, it sucks for him because last year, the the Falcons started off really slow, and it seems like they really fought hard to keep Dan Quinn's job, and Arthur Blank allowed it to happen. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, said that he could keep his job, but after this 0-3 start, two of these games being as devastatingly embarrassing of a loss as you can really get. I get, of course, against Dallas last week, and now here it's it's not looking good for Dan Quinn. 
I mean, the Falcons did not have Julio Jones in this game. I still don't think that's an excuse. They were able to run the football solidly through the first half of this game. Calvin Ridley is an absolute stud. Five catches for 110 yards in this game. They were able to control this game early on. Nick Foles comes in, and they were still having success. And then the next thing you know, he leads this comeback. And uh, that's devastating for the Falcons. But it is what it is, and there's one fan base that might feel worse than Giants and Jets right now it might be Atlanta because of the way both of these games the last two losses for the Falcons ended up materializing very very embarrassing fashion very very Atlanta-esque very Falcon-like just reminds them of that 28-3 Super Bowl comeback from the New England Patriots a few years back another interesting contest that we had was the Bills hosting the Giants week four opponent the Los Angeles Rams and there was a controversial call at the end of this game. Bills end up pulling away 35-32. to 32. And the Bills, they had a 25-point lead here. They blew it. It was a rocky roller coaster after the game. Josh Allen came out and says they need to clean a lot up. They're 3-0, but they're nowhere near where they want to be or where they have to be, which is mature of him. But in this game, the Rams started off slow as we all expected or at least as i expected just because this was a west coast team traveling for a one o'clock start against a really good team in the ralph which obviously is up in buffalo so they started off slow and they were able to actually mount a 10 play drive miss the field goal and then josh allen comes and leads a touchdown all the way down the field getting a rushing touchdown which is something that he's been doing a lot this season i mean he's a real mvp candidate and he's doing fantastic for fantasy football and then the next drive for the rams Jared Goff throws an interception. Bills get the ball, score another touchdown. Seems like the Bills are just going to cruise. They're up 21-3 at halftime. And the Rams turn it over on downs. First possession of the second half. Seems like all is well. But you got to give credit to the Rams. Cooper Cup had a huge game as well. He was Jared Goff's favorite target as Tredavious White was all over. Robert Woods, although Woods also had a good game. Just being used as a ball carrier he had three carries for 30 yards he also had five catches for 74 yards found pater cooper cup had nine catches for 107 found pater daryl henderson was the lead rusher 20 carries for 114 and a tutty malcolm brown only had seven carries at 19 yards he's dealing with a broken finger so he wasn't going to be used in the passing game but at the end of this game the rams are able to take the lead they go up 32 to 28 after a six-play drive and it's on Josh Allen's back. They have to drive the whole field with around four minutes left or so. A little bit more than that. It's around 4.30. And the Rams put them in a third and 22. Bills convert. Then the Rams put them in a third and 25. Bills make it a fourth and eight convert. And then the Bills score. Because of a penalty on Williams defensive back where it did look like it, there was contact but if you didn't want any of that to happen Rams you should have stopped them on the third and 25 the third and 22 and the fourth and eight on that same drive and I know it was a ticky-tacky call I don't love ticky-tacky calls in those situations but there was some contact I also believe that Steph Diggs helped initiate the contact I would have been fine with a no call there at the same time. But you were in that position. And Steph Diggs 
against a young cornerback gets the call, unfortunately, for the Rams. And the Bills end up winning this game. Tyler Croft gets that touchdown from Josh Allen. You know, Rutgers got to represent. But this was an exciting game. No Zach Moss. Devin Singletary had 13 carries for 71 yards, four catches for 50. Maybe he's starting to take over as that lead guy. Tyler Higby calmed down a lot. Only had two catches for 40 yards. And it was the Cooper Cup game. And these kind of things are going to happen in terms of fantasy between Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. It's going to be a matchup-based thing. But in this game, they both were able to make you happy in fantasy football. And next week, they play the Giants. So I'm sure both of them will be able to probably make you happy. But... There was this other game, the Washington football team against the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are able to go 2-1 and because Washington did not find a way to win this game. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins just seems like he struggles every time I turn on red zone and I see him out there. He threw three interceptions in this game. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had great days. Nick Chubb had 19 for 108 and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt 16 for 46, but Kareem Hunt also found the end zone through the air, and he had two catches for 18 yards. Denzel Ward did a good job against Terry McLaurin. He did have a 33-yard gain and four catches for 83 yards. In this contest, Logan Thomas had four catches for 31 yards, seven targets. Just doesn't seem like Dwayne Haskins is able to get him in the middle of the field as much as he has been attempting to. But Logan Thomas keeps getting a lot of targets. I do think he's going to have one of these breakout games soon. It just has not yet come to fruition. And the Washington football team is another squad that is going to be in the running for these top five picks along with the Jets, along with the Giants. And it's unfortunate for them too because in this game, Chase Young did suffer what appears to be a hamstring injury. He was on the sidelines afterwards, so that's definitely a good sign. But he was not dressed. He came out and he was not going to play. So the uh, Washington football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Giants, the NFC East. Now I'm not going to throw the Cowboys in there, even though they ended up losing as well. But they should because, I mean, they really, realistically, the Dallas Cowboys right now should be 0-3, which would have been lovely, but it's not the case. But as for the Philadelphia Eagles tie at home against the Cincinnati Bengals led by Joe Burrow who seemed like he had a pretty solid game here through for 312 yards two touchdowns but the story is all about the other quarterback Carson Wentz who is struggling mightily this season he has not looked anything like the Carson Wentz that we've seen in 2017 or even last year in 2019 when he was playing behind a beat-up team and yes this offensive line is beat up but it's him. He's missing throws. He's making poor decisions. He threw the ball 47 times in this game. Completed 29 of them for 225 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. And Dallas Goddard ended up going down in this game early. Doesn't help them. I know Jason Peters went down late. Doesn't help them. But this is the Cincinnati Bengals. You're at home. And Doug Peterson played for a tie. He played for a tie. He could have got aggressive towards the end of the game. And possibly got the Philadelphia Eagles into field goal range. But instead, he was a bit more conservative and he punted the ball. He punted the ball with about 18 seconds left. And the Bengals end up just running the clock out and it's a tie, a gross tie, playing for the tie. That is not the Dougie P that we all kind of know. They had three drives in the game punt, punt, punt. The Bengals, three drives. Punt, punt, punt. All in overtime. 
This passing attack of the Eagles just is not getting it done. Greg Ward had 11 targets. Zach Ertz had 10. Ward had 8 for 72 and 1. Ertz had 7 for 70. Deshaun Jackson suffered an injury and was questionable to return in the game as well. So it was just not a great situation for the Eagles. But watching the game, you could see Carson Wentz is also really struggling. But on the positive side for the Bengals, T. Higgins, first or well, second round pick early, pick in the uh, second round, I believe he was the first pick of the second round, had two touchdowns, five catches for 40 yards after the Cincinnati Bengals did not dress former top 10 pick John Ross, who was a speed receiver out of Washington, who dealt with a lot of injuries in college, has dealt with a lot of injuries in the NFL, and has just not worked out for the Cincinnati Bengals. So maybe he can kind of help replace what A.J. Green was supposed to do. A.J. Green had six targets in this game. Looks like he lost a step, but he also got kind of shut down by Darius Slay who's an incredibly talented cornerback in his own right. So there's also that maybe A.J. Green in a lesser matchup won't struggle as much because last week he had Denzel Ward on Thursday Night Football, and Denzel Ward definitely gave him some trouble. But before we get to the rest of the slate, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. VAN29.com. The Titans got off to a really slow start up in Minnesota. They traveled up there and they battled a team that's now 0 3 because the Titans won 31 30, but they were down 17 9. They were down 24 12, but Tennessee just kept chipping away running the ball with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry ends up finishing this game with an ample amount of carries despite the game script, which is good for his fantasy value, but he had 26 carries for 119 yards and two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill was not the Ryan Tannehill week two. He had 321 passing yards, no touchdowns, had a pretty bad interception as well, but Khalif Raymond was the big play threat for the Tennessee receiving game. Corey Davis, everybody's just hoping Corey Davis can kind of seize this number one job now that Brown is hurt. You have Brown hurt. And he might be out for a more extended period of time than what we originally anticipated. But Corey Davis only had six targets in his game, five for 69. It seems like Tennessee is getting creative with how they're going to attack with their passing game. Johnny Smith's going to be heavily involved, had eight targets, five for 61. Adam Humphreys in the slot will also be really involved, seven targets, four catches for 41 yards. Minnesota's defense is so beat up. No Anthony Barr. They've had so many injuries. 
but they were able to come out early. Kirk Cousins looked good initially before throwing a couple boneheaded interceptions. He had 250 yards passing, three touchdowns, two picks. The rushing attack was really, really good for Tennessee or for Minnesota and Tennessee, I guess you could say. Dalvin Cook had 22 carries for 181 yards and a touchdown. It was all over the place. Breakout game, just like for T. Higgins, for Justin Jefferson, who had seven catches for 175 yards and one touchdown. Adam Thielen also added a touchdown, and so did Kyle Rudolph. But in the game, just Minnesota couldn't find a way to win this game. And they are not a good football team at the moment as currently constructed, but they have a great head coach. Love Mike Zimmer. Phenomenal head coach. But they go into halftime, up 17-9. to They force a punt after throwing a pick initially to come out of the half. Then they miss a field goal. And it's just the Steven Goskowski show. Steven Goskowski in this game hit six field goals. It's a lot of field goals, ladies and gentlemen. And they're able to hit one after a nine-play four or yeah, nine-play forty-four-yard drive, around the two-minute warning, after forcing a punt. And then Kirk Cousins goes out there and he throws an interception, a deep interception to Amari Hooker. Unfortunate, yes. It's another zero and three team right now. Titans go to three and zero, and they're a three and zero team, but they almost lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars at home last week. We saw what the Jags just did at home themselves against the Miami Dolphins on Thursday Night Football. So I'll reserve my judgment on the Tennessee Titans. They may win that division because they're in the same division as the Texans and the Colts, who dismantled the Jets. But they're the Jets. Speaking of those Texans, go for the Titans to get the 31-31. But speaking of those Texans, they go to Pittsburgh, and they battle early. They do. Steelers start slow. A lot of the times, I feel like historically under Tomlin, the Steelers have let down in spots where we expected them to dominate. I've definitely seen that. I've had the Steelers burn me multiple years as home survivor pool picks. I would go against the Mike Glennon-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they would lose at home when they had Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Very frustrating. But anyways, I'm done with the anecdotes. But the Texans, able to force some punts, a field goal early on, able to take a 14-3 lead. But Big Ben kind of turns it on a little bit. Steelers are able to mount drives. James Conner has a good game. They did kind of use a three-headed rushing attack. I saw Anthony McFarland, Benny Snell getting goal line carries, which was gross. But McFarland had 6 for 42, Benny Snell 7 for 11. Connor had 18 for 109, and Connor's also used in the passing game, and that's the big thing about Connor. Connor had four catches for 40 yards. Eric Ebron found the end zone. Big Ben looks good. He looks strong. He looks smart. He definitely doesn't look fast, but he will rush out of the, out of the pocket and try to get first downs, and I respect that about him. I have a lot of respect for that. But he finishes 23 completions, 36 attempts for 237 yards, two touchdowns. And the Texans, they had the roughest start to a schedule that I've seen in a while. At the Chiefs, lost 34-20. Home against the Ravens, lost 33-16. And then at the Steelers, lost 28-21. But now, they get to host the Vikings and the Jaguars before going to Tennessee. So they could realistically be 3-3 if they could beat Tennessee, which is something that I feel like they can do. And I'm not a big... Bill O'Brien guy. But Deshaun Watson is great. But in this game, 264, two touchdowns, an interception. 
David Johnson couldn't really get much going on the ground despite having a rushing touchdown. And their passing attack is just spread around. It's full Oprah. It's give the ball to everybody. Which is great for football, not amazing for fantasy. But I hope in better matchups, when there is no Joe Hayden or Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt and all these guys coming down on you, Will Fuller will rise to the occasion if he could stay healthy, because last week we saw him come down with some sort of little injury. But Texans fall to the Steelers 28-21. Good start, couldn't finish it off. Deontay Johnson, he's an injury of note. He had two targets in this game. He had one rush for nine yards, and he ended up leaving the game. It doesn't seem like it's overly serious. He could have a chance to play next week, but we got to wait for word to come out when it comes to that. Next, we have the Raiders and the Patriots. We have the Raiders traveling all the way to New England for a one o'clock start, and the Patriots just ran the ball down their throat. And it wasn't even as much Cam Newton. Yeah, he had nine for 27 on the ground, but it was Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead more specifically. Remember, James White is not playing in this game because James White's parents got into a car wreck and the father passed away. So he, obviously, all of our thoughts and prayers are with the White family. Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead were able to establish this rushing attack. A little bit of J.J. Taylor, too, had 11 carries for 43 yards. Sony, 9 for 117, something you never see with a 48-yard run. Rex Burkhead, 6 for 49. But it was Rex Burkhead in the passing game, 7 for 49, leading the New England Patriots with one touchdown. Had 10 targets. Excellent. Julian Edelman, MIA. No one knew where he was. Nikhil Harry, who's that? None of these guys, if you started him in fantasy, didn't do anything for you. But hey, is what it is. Patriots able to get the dub, get the win. As for the Raiders, we all knew, we all saw it coming. Darren Waller was going to get Belichicked. And he did. He had two catches for nine yards on four targets. But when you focus so much on one player, it leaves opportunities for other players. And Hunter Renfro was able to come in, have six catches for 84 yards and one touchdown on nine targets. Almost had two touchdowns. Down at the one-yard line. Of course, that touchdown didn't go to Josh Jacobs. But he had 16 for 71. It looked fine in the game as well. Derek Carr, 261, two touchdowns, zero picks. And in this game, I mean, Patriots win by 16. It was never really that competitive because New England kind of jumped out to 20-10 lead. I mean, it was 13-10 to at halftime because the Raiders were able to drive the ball down the field to close the half, which was a four-play drive capped off by a little touchdown to Foster Moreau to make it somewhat interesting, I guess. But you always just know Bill Belichick has something in mind. His game plan was obviously different. Every game plan is different, and that's the way it should be. Last week, it was attack the slot because Jamal Adams and the Seattle Seahawks aren't that great at covering the slot. This week, it was we're going to attack the Raiders with our running backs out of the backfield because I don't think your linebackers can cover our running backs out of the backfield. And we're going to run the ball down your throat you're coming off a short week, and you have the travel from the West Coast to the East Coast for a 1 o'clock start. And it worked. To perfection for Bill Belichick. And then we have our fellow New York football team. And, whoa, it is a sad day for New York football. The Jets, the Giants are both not good football teams at the moment, but they go down to Indianapolis, the Jets, that is, and they add another loss to the record, 0-3. Sam Darnold threw two pick-sixes in this game, was sacked twice, had another interception, so he finishes his day, for 168 yards, one touchdown, three picks. Braxton Berrios, I guess, is a bright spot on this team. He had four catches for 64 yards and a touchdown on four targets. But the Indianapolis Colts just dominated this game. Jonathan Taylor had a touchdown on the ground. He's just a budding star, for sure. 
And I don't think a lot of people gave the Jets a chance to win this game. Rightfully so. And I hate the fact that the Giants are creeping into that. I don't, I don't want to say they're as bad as the Jets because I don't believe that. But they're creeping into that mindset where it's that they're going to lose every game. Are they going to lose every game? And I really hope they don't. I really don't. But the Jets here, they're able to split time of possession. They lose a turnover battle terribly. They lose the yardage battle 353 to 260 in this game. Phillip Rivers doesn't have to do all that much. And the Jets have some of that time of possession, I guess you could say, was in garbage time. But again, a lot of the scoring for the Colts, they didn't even have to mount an offensive attack because they had two pick sixes. Which is abysmal. Not to mention a safety for the Jets. So Sam Darnold and Adam Gase, that's just a terrible situation right now. Then we have the Panthers and the Chargers. The Panthers were able to go west and beat the Chargers 21-16. to Justin Herbert had a couple of mistakes in this game. Thought he got hurt. Came back in, battled, threw the ball 49 times for 330 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. But it was it was Austin Eckler, all game. 11 targets, had 11 catches for 84 yards. It was Keenan Allen, all game. 19 targets, 13 catches for 132 yards, and a tutty. Josh Kelly didn't do as much as I expected because the game script didn't go that well for the Chargers. Got to give it to the Panthers. They were able to come out here, able to establish a rushing attack with Mike Davis able to use Mike Davis as a receiver, had nine targets, so he's a real thing. So if you have him on your fantasy teams, plug him in. Yes, Curtis Samuel was used a little bit. Reggie Bonifant was used a little bit, but this is Mike Davis's backfield until Christian McCaffrey gets back. But Teddy Bridgewater, hey, didn't have to do all that much, but uber efficient. 22 completions on 28 attempts, 235 yards, and a touchdown. And I know Panthers had 21 points in this game. You'd think they had three touchdowns. They did not. They had a whole lot of field goals. And the Chargers actually did much better than the Panthers in terms of yardage. Had so much more yardage than the Carolina Panthers. But goes to show you statistics are not everything. Chargers had 436 yards to 302. They had 26 first downs to Carolina's 14. They possessed the ball 31 minutes as opposed to 28. Now that's kind of close. But the Panthers were able to just get down into the red zone, not punch it in, but just keep chipping away with Joey Sly, who had a great game in this contest. And the Chargers would try to mount long drives, throw a bad pick, punt the football. They had a couple long drives that resulted into touchdowns, 16-play, 75-yard drive that resulted in a touchdown to Keenan Allen. Also had a 10-play, 75-yard drive led by Justin Herbert resulted in an Austin Eckler 12-yard run. It's a bad loss. It's a tough loss. Drops the Chargers to 1-2. and two, Easily be 0-3 under Anthony Lynn. But you seem like you got something there in Justin Herbert. And that's good. And then we have the Buccaneers at the Denver Broncos. The Jeff Driscoll-led Denver Broncos. And the Buccaneers dominate this game. 28-10. Tom Brady, 297 yards passing three touchdowns Chris Goblin left this game did not return not 100% sure to the severity haven't heard anything dire yet about it but he did leave this game after scoring a touchdown and getting five for 64 on six targets Scotty Miller had three for 83 with a beautiful 47 yard reception and the backfield of Tampa Bay is still gross 
for fantasy purposes. Ronald Jones had 13 for 53. Leonard Fournette, 7 for 15. Tom Brady had 5 carries for 0 yards, which is not a surprise. But the Tampa Bay defense was kind of all over Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll only threw one interception, but he got sacked five times. There was a safety in this game as well. Melvin Gordon couldn't do much on the ground. It's, it's all what we kind of expected. Jerry Judy was able to kind of battle through and play this game. Had five or 55 on nine targets. Noah Fant, five or 46. But without Cortland Sutton, this offense is going to have to five it into its new groove under Pat Shermer, and I believe that they will. Pat Shermer is a good offensive mind. Wasn't the, wasn't the best head coach, but he's a good offensive mind. They have a short week against the Jets. That's a get-right spot. Thursday night football. Two 0-3 teams. One of the grossest Thursday night footballs you could think of. But hey, we get to watch Jeff Driscoll and a bunch of young, talented pass catchers and KJ Hamler and Noah Fant and Jerry Judy and even Tim Patrick. And then we get to watch the Jets. Maybe Braxton Berrios can have another touchdown for the third week in a row. Who knows? And we got the Lions and the Cardinals. Lions win this game 26-23 in an upset fashion. Kyler Murray had one of his worst games to date, but he did do well on the ground like he always does, 5 for 29 in a tutty. He had 23 completions on 35 attempts for 270 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. And he was throwing the ball into just tight coverage, trying to fit it the ball into areas where I thought it was him being a little bit, uh, a little bit cocky, I guess. Good for the uh, Detroit Lions who couldn't force anybody to turn the ball over all season. They're able to get three interceptions in this game. Matt Stafford, 270 for two. Adrian Peterson, 22 carries for 75 yards. Absolutely ridiculous. Kenny Galladay, 6 for 57 on seven targets and a tutty in this game. And then DeAndre Hopkins, 12 targets, 10 for 137. But I think the story of this game is Christian Kirk, who was out, was... Out with an injury, and Andy Isabella came in, and Andy Isabella had two touchdowns in this game, near the goal line. Andy Isabella is about a five foot seven wide receiver who was drafted over DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin two years ago, but he's lightning quick. Very, very quick. Very fast feet. And I'm wondering what this says about Christian Kirk or Andy Isabella or what's going to go happen in the future. I like Christian Kirk. I did, coming out of college, but it just has not happened yet. But Andy Isabella just happened for him and did. You got to give it to Detroit here. Matt Patricia has been a donkey plenty of times, has blown a lot of games, but not this one. They held the Cardinals to be scoreless in the fourth quarter, and they kicked two field goals in that same fourth quarter to propel themselves to victory on an eight-play and a 10-play drive by the Detroit Lions, who have like a 36-year-old running back after drafting a kid in the second round and carry on johnson in the second round a couple years ago but it's adrian peterson man he's the goat you guys know that as a running back and now for our last game because right now it is sunday night football and it's 27 27 in the beginning of the fourth quarter so i'm not gonna speak too much on that but we have the cowboys and the seahawks and the seattle seahawks and russell wilson who's an absolute beast five touchdowns 315 yards they're letting him cook and he's cooking 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 they beat the dallas cowboys and Dak Prescott had one hell of a game, too. He had a couple boneheaded mistakes with those two interceptions. But he also had 472 yards passing. Three touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott couldn't get anything going on the ground. Chris Carson ends up getting hurt after a really dirty play by Tristan Hill. Should be suspended. It was late in the fourth quarter. It was a little inside handoff to 
Chris Carson. Chris Carson's trying to break out of a tackle, and Tristan Hill rolls his legs and just rolls and continues to roll. That's a very dirty play, and Chris Carson ends up hurting his ankle. So that's offensive linemen are going to see that, and that's not going to be uh, it's not going to go over too well. But in this game, there was a lot of um, it was it was a fun Fox game to have on the television for everyone to watch because you even had weird stuff like DK Metcalf getting the ball stripped after a beautiful dime at the one yard line. It was a beautiful dime by Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf went lax and didn't sprint into the end zone, and the ball gets punched out by a Cowboys defender. But then DK Metcalf later on gets to eat, and gets his touchdown. But he was four for one ten in a tutty, eight targets. Tyler Lockett nine for a hundred, three touchdowns, thirteen targets. It's frustrating to have Chris Carson in fantasy in this game because there were three separate occasions when Russell Wilson was on the one yard line and Chris Carson did not get the touchdown, and neither did Carlos Hyde or Travis Homer. But Russ cooked. That's one one reason why he had five touchdowns. Another reason why is because he is by far the most valuable player in football so far through three weeks of this National Football League season. On the Cowboys side of things, Cedric Wilson. Nobody really knows who he is. Came from Boise State two years ago, was in the draft. Cedric Wilson is able to have five for 107 for a touchdown as well. Seven targets. Michael Gallup had one hell of a game. Burnt the cornerback of the Seattle Seahawks on one play for 52-yard touchdown. Nine targets, six for 138. Dalton Schultz was used again. Solidly six targets, four for 48 in this game. Amari Cooper, 12 targets. So you see Dak Prescott likes targeting Amari. Gallup didn't really do anything the first two games. Had one heck of a game here. I feel like the tight end position is always a good position for Dallas Cowboys in fantasy. Dalton Schultz had a modest game here, but in the game you could see that he was being used in the intermediate parts of the game as well. Or field, I should say. But Dallas almost came back here. Almost won this game. Had you on the edge of your seat. Can they do it again? Just like they did against the Falcons, even though the Falcons are the Falcons. But Dak Prescott had that 11-play drive going. It's about to put the team in position. But he threw that interception in the back of the end zone to Neal. And then it was just a touchback. And the Seattle Seahawks end up winning. But on that drive, they convert. Third and four. They have that nice 14-yard pass to Cedric Wilson. Put the team in position to win this game. But heck, man. Dallas should be looking around its division right now and say, do we really need to win all these games? The Eagles tying with the Bengals. The Giants getting blown out by a triage unit. And the Washington football team losing to Baker Mayfield. So, you know, they don't have that much to worry about. And it's a dismal way to look at this. But hey, it's early on in the season. But these other teams in the NFC East outside of Dallas have not shown anything anything so despite the fact that the Dallas Cowboys are one and two right now and they should be 0 and three but the Falcons Falcon despite the fact that they're one and two they're still in a pretty good spot and I just still even with that being said I can't believe the Giants are only one game out of first place that's asinine and crazy anyways hope you guys enjoyed this please rate subscribe review Falato on football on the big blue view radio syndicate I guess you can call it and please have a lovely day day. Take care of yourselves and let's hope the Giants right the ship. Take care, everybody.